This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Fiala intercepts again, trying to find the handle on it. He does, he scores! What a play by Fiala! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Now I'm proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, advanced stats, and much more. Sets up Molino, back to Boldy, shoots, and scores! The BC Kid returns home and scores his first. Goes to work for the Wild, centers one, Erickson Eck with a shot, he scores! Jewel Erickson Eck, he's the hero. Poked away Kaprizov, in for a chance to win it, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Bach. Welcome in to Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall joined alongside, as always, by Zeke Boyat, Justin Baki. Thursday, February 3rd, just after 8 p.m. at the time of this recording. A day late because the Wild had the audacity to play on a Wednesday night last night, which is our recording night. We thought we had a mutual agreement there that they wouldn't play on Wednesdays, but uh, <laughs> nope, they had other plans. Thankfully, they pulled out a big win for us. We'll dive into that the rest of the week and the week ahead, as well as the you know a mid-season recap. Um, before we get all... T- to that we got some other stuff to take care of first things first let's check in on the fellas justin how are you doing on this thursday evening doing good uh starting my busy week work week again this was basically my monday and the only bad thing is finding out that the wild have no depth which is kind of disappointing <laughs> but uh <laughs> you know i'm good other than that ready to talk about another week of wins and and such so yeah a good way to go into the all-star break and Zeke, what about you? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I got my uh, my coffee and meal tonight. Had some uh, nice big old fat burrito for Chipotle for dinner, so I'm all uh, all filled up and ready to talk hockey with you guys here tonight. Yeah, I've yet. Is to that kind of even? I was <laughs> say, is that kind of even itself out? Like you get really full from the burrito and you get sleepy, and then you you drink your coffee and well, you're yeah, to go. <laughs> I'm very uh, it, it, caffeine. It's not necessarily like I'm making a bunch of noise, but you know, it's good to, you know, it, it keeps me from not being able to shut up for at least three or four hours after. So I suppose that's good for the show. So. Yeah, I've uh, I've yet to eat dinner today, which uh, maybe that'll give us some good incentive to to get on with this podcast yeah. and get through it so I can cook myself <laughs> some food. Um, my ground beef that I wanted to cook did not thaw out in time. So yeah. uh. should be by the time we're done. Um, but anyway, uh, there's a lot to get to today. Um, we want to try to get through it quickly. Um, and you may notice, too, if, if you're tuning in Friday morning, you'll see another extra episode um, in the podcast feed that probably looks like it's somewhere in the realm of like 15 to 20 minutes long. That is a new collaboration we're doing with a bunch of the other local podcasts here in Minnesota, where each week we'll throw out a podcast. I believe it'll usually be Thursday mornings, Friday mornings. I'll just have little three to four minute teasers of uh, you know a bunch of different podcasts in the network. Shout out to the guys over at the Hockey Pod. Um, the Soda Pod, the Hockey Podcast Network with Isha and uh, Hoppy for setting that up. So feel free to check that out, see what the other podcasts are up to, what they're talking about. 
Um, you might hear some redundancy if you check out our podcast before that one first. Um, but just a cool way for us to collab in with the other uh, content creators here in the great state of hockey. So if that's what you're seeing, that's what that is starting to come to you weekly. So um, with that said, Justin, we will turn it over to you for the prospect update. All right. I actually have a pretty decent one today, which is nice because I think it's going to slow down a little bit. Just in advance, just for a decade, I'm going to insert all the fire emojis right at the beginning here. All right. <laughs> uh, Simon Johansson, someone we haven't talked a lot about on here, had a two-assist two assist game yesterday. Uh, he's having actually a pretty good season for Liga, up to 20 points in 39 games played. Um, I feel like he started off pretty slow, but picked up his pace pretty well. So we'll see what happens with him. Caden uh, Bank- Bankier had a two-point game, one goal, one assist past weekend. He, he's up to 36 points in 40 games. Uh, Kyle Masters picked up an assist. He's up to 11 points in 43 games played. Uh, the stat sheet isn't really telling how good he has been lately. If, if you really want to break down of his game and, and kind of see how he is, Spoke Z, our, our friend Spoke, is very good. Uh, he has a lot of stuff on him on his page and, and you know, breaks down his, his game a little bit and has I don't clips think there's a time so. where that guy's ever not watching hockey, to be honest no, with you. No, he's, nope. he's, he's an awesome asset and person to have in our fan base. So yeah, follow him if you don't. <laughs> and then Pavel Novak scored his 18th goal of the season this past weekend as well. He's up to 43 points, 33 games played. Another interesting development with his game is that he's been taking draws too. And then he's been doing really well. So maybe that ups his value. And then I, I figure he'd be more of a winger with us, but you know, kind of makes him versatile. So yeah, much and I think the same way, you know, we, Matt Boldy, we saw him during the World Juniors for the Team USA take a bunch of draws um, on the power play and stuff. And I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I can probably pull them up here quick. But Boldy, I think, too, this year is like 57% on faceoffs. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just nice to have that, you know, if you need a power play or even if your center gets kicked out of the faceoff or maybe your yeah. center's better on one side of the ice than the other. But um, it's great to have that versatility. And like Justin, like you said, just, you know, a nice little extra bit of value to tack onto that. Yeah. Definitely. Well, while you're trying to look that up, I'll kind of continue on, and you can chime in when when you have it pulled up. All right. If you're still pulling up, um, Vladislav Firstov, he's not a bad player, but I felt like he's had a slower year. But he had a three point game this past weekend. Uh, now sits at 14 points, 22 games played. So it's good to see him pick a, uh, pick it up on the score sheet again. Uh, Carson Lambos picked up an assist, putting him at 22 points, 21 games. More than a point per game player. Uh, Nestorenko, Warren, and or Nestorenko and Warren each picked up an assist in a loss in BC this past weekend. They're really having a kind of a tough season overall, and uh, missing McBain. You can tell his mm-hmm. absence hurts. But uh, yeah, you take McBain out, and then you look at the guys who was last year with Spencer yep. Knight, Alex Newhook, Matt Boldy. Right. Um, that guy that went to Chicago, whose name escapes me. Oh, uh, he was the third piece uh, on that Boldy Newhook line. Can't think of his name though. I think his name was like Mike Hardman or something. Yeah, yep. yep. Okay, that yeah. was the one. Yep. Yeah. 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 Basically, take out your top line, your captain, your starting goalie. It's uh, not going to yeah. be a fun time. No, it's not. <laughs> no, they're going through a tough, tough season, but it's good to see the wild players chipping in. Um, and then the KHL season, they haven't played in a while and they don't play t- t- until the end of the month. And, and I saw something on Twitter. I don't know how true it is. I feel like this person is. A pretty decent source, but 
there's a possibility that they'll maybe cancel the regular season, go right in the playoffs, and not quite sure what's going to happen over there, but uh, something to keep an eye on because yeah. you know we want to see how who's Nadinov does with the SK. Um, Ryan O'Rourke had a one goal, one assist game. He has 28 points in 30 games played, and I checked right before we hopped onto the pod. He is playing tonight. He's already scored a goal, his sixth of the season. So we'll see how his game uh, finishes up. Then the last piece I have is Iowa swept San Diego this past weekend, which is, I believe, the Ducks farm system. Yep. They won three to two and six to one. Uh, Marshall, <clears throat> Marco Rossi, he keeps churning. He had a four-point weekend. He's up to 32 points in 30 games played. Pretty He's, good. Uh, looking pretty, pretty good, yes. Addison had a four-assist uh, series. Kind of the, the the guys you expect to do well, but uh, another player that did well is Mitchell Chafee. He picked up a hat trick in their 6-1 to win. Uh, Beckman picked up a couple apples, and Hovanov is... Uh, Actually been in the lineup a couple games and picked up a couple assists. So uh, it seems know, like he maybe, might be uh, building a little chemistry with Beckman yeah, too. Right, that's, the, that's uh, what it sounds like. The the clip of them going in on the two on zero and there was a whistle. <laughs> I don't know what it was for, and they like simultaneously reacted, like throwing their sticks up, slamming yes. on the ice, yelling at the refs. It's like, oh god, it was yeah. like synchronized uh, synchronized <laughs> anger. <laughs> that was amazing. But yeah, it's. Uh, Good to see some of these guys do well, and then we'll see where Holbanov goes. But it'd be good to see him consistently get some ice time, and maybe you know he he's got the skill, but uh, just don't want to see him become another Sukalov, really. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But that's it for the prospect update. All right, well, lengthy update, but as always, thank you for it. Good to you know, always always good when they're lengthy. That means good things are happening. Yeah, exactly. So, um, <laughs> excellent to hear. Um, well, let's uh, let's transition in here to uh, a recap of the week. I don't have uh, stats today. Um, wanted to get more talk about uh, just the Wilds midseason. But before we get to that, we're gonna we're just gonna talk about this last week as we always do. We'll start with uh, the spoiled King Henrik night on Friday. The Wild and the Rangers um, faced off at Madison Square Garden. Tight game through and through. Wild squeak out at the end. Um, come down from a two-goal deficit. Score the next three to win 3-2 on what some would call a controversial game-ending call um, when Cam Calbit, Cam Calbit, Cam Talbot's <laughs> pad was uh, pushed over the goal line very clearly, uh, despite what the Ranger fans would tell you. Um, to win that game 3-2 in regulation, the Wild get goals in that game from Kevin Fiala, Matt Zuccarello, and Freddie Goudreau. Well, first I would like to point out that uh, our reverse jinx powers worked again in that game with the Freddie Goudreau thing. Uh, yep. Because I was, on his shootout attempt, I was, you know, my dad could, uh, he could tell you this, but I was snippy at him. I'm like, you couldn't have came up with a better move than that, you stupid idiot. Like, he's got no <laughs> offense in his game, and then an hour later comes down the circle and goes bar down and one of the best goalies in the league. And it's, and then, you know, even as we'll talk about later, had another goal, but uh, that was, uh, you know, I mean, we've talked about it before. It's it's funny. The, uh, the influence that we have over this team, every game, it seems like, and that was no exception, but uh, oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> every time we bring something up, it seems to have like, reverse the opposite. The opposite happens. <laughs> 
<laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> no, that yeah. was a, a fun game. You know, saw us go down two nothing. I was kind of like, you know, we're never really out of it, so let's see what happens. And then we talked about it in last week's show that this was going to be kind of a, a true test with a top, another top team with a lot of good players. And ended up coming back, getting the win, kind of proving even further that you know we're we're a team that can contend and and stand with these teams and. It was just good to see us us play like that against not just like a Chicago Blackhawks team, but the New York Rangers. And you know we did play well against Colorado, but it's just good to see us play well against good teams. Okay, you wonder how that game maybe looks different if Adam Fox does play. I mean, he's he's the engine that drives yeah, that whole team alongside Panarin yeah. and Kreider's crazy scoring bender that he's been on this year. But right. nonetheless, I mean, Igor Shesterkin's a goalie who pretty much game in game out is saving more. You know, his goal state mm-hmm. above expected is usually positive every game in the Wild. Handed him a negative number. Um, that mm-hmm. night, which hasn't happened often this year. It just, you know, I think Dom Lushijan talked about it in kind of his, um, I think he did an article on like, you know, what's sustainable and what's not kind of through the midway point of the season. You talked about the wild and, oh, you know, they're 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 finishing at a very high rate. I doubt that sustains itself. Um, I was also talking about Chesterkin not saving enough enough shots or, you know, saving too many shots in that regress. I'm like, well, the wild didn't regress, but Chesterkin did in that game. So they just continue to score pot, score goals. I think, you know, I've heard a lot, I think about how many goals Florida scored the month of January. Um, you know, Colorado being undefeated at home before finally losing to the Yotes the other night, which is hilarious. Um, and the wild are third, I think in that goal scored and, Mm -hmm. and points percentage in the month of January, despite, you know, not playing for, you know, basically the first two weeks either. So, Mm -hmm. No, they're rolling, and I uh, still feel like they're not getting the respect the respect that they deserve for how well they're playing. So, well, yeah, I know. I think I think about that New York game that was impressive. Obviously, it was you know Henrik Lundqvist retirement night or whatever, and you know yes, the Rangers did outplay him in the third period, but I thought it was impressive how after that, I mean, the Wild basically I think they ended the game on maybe like a twenty eight to eleven shot advantage or something like that, and scored the last three goals. I mean to go in there the last two periods like that and just, you know, kick the crap out of them, I think was really cool. And, you know, I think the Rangers are good. You know, I think a lot, I don't know, maybe similar to Winnipeg the last few years. I think, as Brett mentioned, with Sturkin just playing out of his mind, I don't know if they're, you know, going to, you know, the 55-win team that their pace is right now. You know, I guess I'm not sure about that, but I just thought, I don't know, I just thought it was uh, it was impressive uh, just to go in there in an atmosphere like that and, you know, kind of dominate for two thirds of the game and, uh, you know, kind of prove all the people too, who are, you know, for some reason like to believe that, you know, the wild don't perform on the big stage uh, kind of wrong there that night. So it was just a, uh, yeah, no, it, it's just a good win. And it shows again that, uh, you know, they're not shaken by being down in a, in a tough environment like that at all. It's just business as usual, pretty much. For sure. Yeah. And then two nights later, the wild head to the Island to take on the Islanders it was not their best game of the season. Um, if you saw the player cards after the game, you would have thought the game ended in a loss. The mm-hmm. Wild pretty badly outplayed at even strength. The Islanders brought the, brought the pressure all night. Uh, Matt Dumba injured in the game after a kerfluffle with uh, with Anders Lee, which resulted in Dumba missing the last mm-hmm. uh, game with an injury as well. But um, behind a rock-solid game from Capo Kakinen, who I believe had an expected goals against a 4.53 um, still allowed three, but it was enough to hold off the Islanders as the Wild pulled out that one as well. Uh, 4-3 in a tightly contested game. Matt Boldy, Jewel Erickson Eck, Brandon Duhame, and Kirill Kaprizov register goals for the Wild. 
and uh, a gutsy win. And you know when the you know it's sometimes you need wins like that when you're on a nice run and you're kind of beating up on every team and outplaying mm-hmm. them. We said you need your goalies to steal one every now and again, and Kakinen did just that uh, on Sunday night. And I believe basically the second time this year the Wild have kind of been outplayed by the Islanders, but have come out on top. Yeah, it's it's one of those games where kind of lipstick on a pig type deal where mm-hmm. it's not going to be pretty. You just grind it out and end up, like you said, having your goalie steal a game. The Islanders, man, they're they're just not the team I expected them to be this year. You figured they got the system under uh, brain fart of the coach. Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz, yep. I mean, he always has a minute and seems to always have him playing well and, and making the playoffs and making these runs, but maybe this is a regression or whatnot. But it, it's kind of surprising to see to me, but it was good to go in there and, and pick up a win after not yeah. playing well at all. Yeah, I didn't realize until I was watching the broadcast, but uh, Kyle Palmieri has one goal this year. <laughs> That's yes, oh my God. Which is, uh, they just they don't score. That's no, no. They gave him a pretty, I don't know, I, I think it was a multi-year, like five-ish million extension after last year too. Which, no. and his job is to score goals, and he ain't doing it. Yeah, so. and it's I mean, it's amazing because Ilya Sorokin, I think, has has had a close to nine thirty save percentage most of the year. Uh, you know, their top goalie in there, and you know the fact that, but obviously, you know, the, the main thing in hockey is if you're not going to score, you're you're just not going to win very many games. But I don't know. I thought for me this game, and I I saw a few people talk about this is. It kind of reminds me of, you know, games in, you know, in the Wilds past where they would be the team. They'd be the Islanders in this situation where they're, you know, outchancing, outplaying the team, but, you know, in every facet. But uh, their goalie just plays great. And a couple of other teams, star players just come through and score a big goal, make a big play and, you know, win the game for, you know, the, the team, even though, you know, they did not particularly play their best at all. And I think... You know, that was just a, an example of that last night where, like you guys said, they, they didn't really play their best. They were fumbling pucks all over their own end, uh, you know, not really doing, you know, not being very clean all night with their passes. But, you know, as we said, they got uh, a goal from Matt Boldy, a goal from Crook pre-saw in the third period, which ended up being the game winner. And, uh, you know, as, as seen, that was uh, ended up being the difference. Although, you know, I think we said this in the group chat, the last five minutes or so, even be you know right after they scored that power play to goal to cut it to four three were uh, pretty pretty nerve wracking because Wild could just you know not seem to get the puck out of the zone or even on their sticks at mm-hmm. all. They, yep, it was uh, it, it was not the funnest last few minutes or so for sure. Yeah, Capo Kakinen comes up big, forty saves in that win on forty three shots, so just huge. Impressive. Eleven eleven of twelve on the power play, which is also pretty good. Need mm-hmm. your goalie to be your best penalty killer, and he certainly was um, sure. that night. And then, of course, we had last night's game. Um, I tweeted before. I said if there was ever a night for the Wild to pound the Blackhawks on national TV, <laughs> last night was the night after the Rocky Wirtz outburst at uh, rep- uh, athletic reporter Mark Lazarus when asked about um, Kyle Beach. It was their first public appearance um, since the lawsuit and everything went through. We won't get into that. There's plenty of stuff out there about it. But basically, Rocky Wirtz threw a tantrum on stage, um, got clowned for it on Twitter, and then proceeded to watch his team get clowned on national TV by the Wild. They route the Hawks five to nothing, um, despite basically a West Coast start at nine o'clock. Um, goals in the night from Nico Sturm, Kevin Fiala, Matt Zuccarello, Freddie Gaudreau, and Kirill Kaprizov. Pretty much a dream night for me with a nice bully assist. Goals from Nico, Kevin, and Kirill. It's a great night to to be a Brett Marshall fan. And Cam Talbot 
41 games into the season registers the Minnesota Wilds' first shutout of the year, stopping 30 of 30 shots faced. I think something close, like a what? Might have been over two. I think it was like a 2-1-2. Goal save above expected last night as well, just to hit his best game of the season. And I think it's nice to kind of see him settling back in with some solid games against both the Rangers and now the Blackhawks. You know, both Talbot and Kacklin seem to be playing well. And as we've talked about, Many of times in this show, we need both those guys playing well, and especially um, coming up here after this Winnipeg game when they when the Wild entered that gauntlet to finish out the season. Mm-hmm. They're going to need both guys going, and it appears they're on track to do so. Right. Well, that was a, maybe one of the funner games to watch this year. They just always love kicking the crap out of the Hawks. Um, <laughs> man, that, just thinking back, the, the goal by uh, Kaprizov and the goal by Fiala, just the passes on those goals were mm-hmm. – absolutely insane like Silly. they were just kind of doing whatever they want just uh don't look now though we got uh power play goal five games in a row too yeah. so I don't, i'd have to look at the exact numbers but the power play since boldy was added to it um yeah seemed to be significantly better and i right. think being able like just to be able to slide feel out of that second unit give both units you know some good scoring punch <laughs> Um, obviously the return of Spurgeon as well coincides with that, but Mm -hmm. it's great to see the power play picking it up because that was kind of the thing that was lacking through probably those first 30 games or so when you've really seen it start to come on as of late. Yeah. I mean, we've, you know, what we saw from Boldy in the world juniors and, you know, in college, I mean, I don't think he's necessarily been playing behind the net on the power play a lot, but he's just such a, just such a great passer. I mean, he had one play on the power play last night where he was, it was a half slap pass over to Kaprizov oh. that I think Ryan Murphy mm-hmm. made a great play on. Otherwise that would have been a tap in yep. that. It was just like, Oh, yeah, and I think that, that's you know, one thing like I knew was good watching Boldy, but I think it's you've mm-hmm. really seen it these first 10 games is his vision is insane. Like he sees yeah. the ice yeah, he does. much yeah. better than most players do. And Kevin Fiala has got to be just loving it. Yeah. He's, excellent just <clears throat> creating space for yep just stick handling and creating space and finding an oh. open player for a chance or... don't think i've seen him lose a board battle yet either no. i mean he just gets no. big no. and finds a way to dig pucks out right. he's just exuding confidence which is is so great to see absolutely yeah and i will say that uh, one other annoying thing during the broadcast last night like i know you know, that the national broadcasters are going to have bias towards the bigger market teams. And, you know, I know Marc-Andre Fleury is a great guy, but if you, these games against the Blackhawks, how they feel the need to go to say 300 times over how great of a goal he is and how great of a guy is, it's like, yeah, it, we know that they're good. He was when good. he plays the, the Wild, he's used, not. Yeah, they, <laughs> they used to be good. Uh, it's it's okay. It's it's okay to praise the other team. But, yeah, I mean, it, like, like Justin said, it's uh, – it's just satisfying to have you know two games in a row where they go in there into their building and just kick their ass and leave no doubt. And I mean, I know there's not been a lot of fans there, and I think someone posted you could get in for like five or ten bucks. Yeah, that to was their me. Games. Five dollar tickets. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. Was, my roommate and I were doing a, the math. Like, how much would it realistically yeah. cost to go to a game there? But between the gas yeah. and staying overnight and everything, it probably ended up being not worth it. But still, well, you know, this yeah, this team, everyone was on the bandwagon for five years, and now uh, where did they all go? They're gone. They're gone. It just was so. De- it was just so dead in there. Like, just, I mean, you know, you'd figure there'd still be some people, but I suppose, it, I don't know. It's just funny. I think you had the bad the season on top of what happened in the off season. I yeah, think a lot of yeah. people rightfully have jumped ship. I mean, there was, mm-hmm. there's a couple Hawks fans that I respect very well on Twitter, and they're like, "Yeah, I hope you guys kick our butts tonight too." After what happened today, like, it's yeah. just they're yeah. they're pissed at the team, and mm. 
I mean, I think you got to look at players like I don't think guys are going to want to sign there either. I mean, I hope no. they enjoy having Seth Jones because he might be the big, you know, the one big big ticket free agent they get in the next, you know, until maybe four or five years down the road. They got a long way back. It's yeah. crazy how far they've fallen from 2013. Yep. Mm-hmm. Scandal just, will do that to you. Yeah, it will. It's it always uh, coming it's, back to bite you. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, we, yeah, like I said, we don't need that. But it's just, you know, it's just weird uh, after, you know, years of going in there and the Wild getting their asses kicked to see it the complete opposite way around. So yep. uh, it's definitely something we're not used to. But, you know, they, low event hockey, low event wins. We'll take that any day of the week. Absolutely. Um, couple like little factoids to hit on here. The Wild, of course, um, now nine zero and one since losing uh, to the Blues um, at the Winter mm-hmm. Classic. Pretty much undefeated in the month of um, January, minus that one loss to Colorado in the shootout, in which they're missing Eck, Brodine, and Spurgeon. Um, Matt Boldy yet to to experience a regulation loss since his call up. Uh, point per game player Kevin Fiala. Um, is the only player recognized by the league to be on a 12-game point streak. Kirill Kaprizov is as well. The league doesn't count it because he missed a game due to injury, but every the last 12 games Kirill Kaprizov has played at least one shift in, he has a point. So in our minds, he has a 12-game point streak. Matt Zuccarello with a two-point night last night now has a you know two at least two points in six of his last seven games as well. Jared Spurgeon has seemed to find his game again. Um, Jonas Brodine had a, had a very good game last night. It seems he's maybe finding the feel of that stick again. Looked like he might have been gripping it a little, a little tight when he came back that first night. But, you know, recovering from that wrist injury. But you know, things seem to be headed back in the right direction. And hoping, you know, after this break, you know, uh, it sounds like Felino could have played if they needed him to. Um, but they said, you know, let's let's take the extra rest. We'll see what the status is on Dumba. But um, it could be, you know, knock on wood here. Um, you know, within the next week or so, the Wild could be back to having a fully healthy roster. And if you include Boldy, we'll be a lineup we haven't seen fielded through the first 41 games this season, which is pretty damn exciting yeah, um, when you consider that um, at the exact halfway point of the season, they are sitting at 28, 10, and 3, 59 points, a 720 win percentage, which by my quick count here, 1, 2, 3, 4, only Five teams have a better win percentage than, or point percentage, excuse me, than the league, and that is Florida, Colorado, uh, Carolina, and Toronto. So, Good. I think if you had told uh, told us beginning of the year this is the Wild to be at the midpoint of the season, I think you'd be pretty damn happy. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And that, I believe that uh, their start ties. I think it was someone said last night, twenty sixteen seventeen in points for their best mm-hmm. through forty one games in franchise history. They were twenty seven nine and five. So yeah. and this team you know, just uh, feels wildly better than that too. Yeah, they no, do. Yeah, for sure. For definitely sure. a different feel of this team. I mean I think you just look every night and like used to be like, all right, we need this one line to score and then hope, you know, one line pops up every night. Now it's like, all right, which line scoring first? Like I'm right. you know Minnesota yeah. Wild to the Minnesota yeah. Wild first every right. night, and it's like, geez, you know, you know, maybe it's Eck on the power play, you know, maybe it's, you know, Fiala scoring again, you know, can never count out Kirill or Zuki yeah. putting one in, like it's just, just there's just three right. deep lines, and you have the fourth line which you know does, goes out and does their job, you know, plays that hard north south, gets a little physical, mm-hmm. you know, gets pucks in deep if you will, but I mean, it just it just feels so deep, and the blue line's getting healthy, and it's just it's been so fun to watch this team, and I, yeah. I cannot wait what the second half brings um absolutely 
one thing I didn't prepare you guys for, so hope you know maybe you can pull something quickly here. Um, something that's kind of popped in my head because um, we kind of do this at the end of the year too. But through the halfway point of the season, what would you say is your favorite moment of the year so far? If if you can pick just one. Well, I don't know. I think for me, you know, I, I might have might be able to come up if I thought about it a little more with. If I thought about a little more extra moments, but I just think the uh, the home opener this year was just was probably I think for me easily my favorite. I mean, obviously, I think you know I brought to think you were there too. It was mm-hmm. just you know a blast the game, first game back with full crowd. You know the energy was up there the whole time, and and obviously they had the you know the great comeback from down two with the waved off Winnipeg empty net goal, the comeback to win in overtime with the at trick. I just think I don't know. It was just this is such a fun game to be at, and I think. It was just right as of now. It was just basically a preview of what this team was going to be like the next thirty-five games of, you know, just be able to come back, bounce back, power play goals, tie the game late with extra attacker. I mean, it's pretty much everything, you know, aside from maybe the great goaltending that we've seen so far this season, kind of happened in that first game. And I just, I think it was just kind of a, I don't know, maybe a tone setter in a way for how this kind of team is going to play for the next three or four months. Sure. Yeah, um, off the top of my head, I think it has to be. I mean, there's so many great moments. All the empty net yeah. <laughs> goals we've scored with the empty net, which is just crazy in itself. But I think for me, wanting to see Boldy last year, finally getting him to see this year, he gets to do a season debut against Boston. His family's there. He scores the game winning goal. I think that's pretty special, pretty awesome. And the, the fact that <clears throat> we're 9 0 1 since he's been called up is kind of call their trophy better. baby yes <laughs> wins above replacement yeah yep. How about no losses <laughs> um yeah i'd say those are probably my top two as well i'll i'll twist it just a hair i think just the the duo debut of matt boldy and marco rossi i mean two guys we've been just clamoring to see and to have you know those two guys both get to debut on the same night um boldy getting the goal on top of that i mean i think that's a game a lot of wild fans will remember um, for a long time, right along with that season opener in Winnipeg. So good job shooting from the hip there, pull, pulling yeah. out too, because it just kind of hit me like, ah, that'd be a good thing to discuss. Um, we'll move in next. So if you, if uh, listeners remember from the end of last year, we introduced our first edition of the Minnesota Wild Awards, where we took, you know, former players named, you know, awards after them, handed them out. We won't go through all of them because there are some that are probably more fitting for a season-long award. But um, we will go through the ones that we posted on Twitter We'll start. Um, we had all the fans' votes. We'll reveal the results of those, which you could have gone on and seen yourself if you felt the desire to do so. Um, but we'll recap here, and then we'll give our opinions. Maybe talk about, you know, if we were to torn between two, why we were torn between two. You know, give some honorable mentions here and there. So you can only put four in. Um, but without further ado, um, I think we'll go to the, you know, the softballs first. The team MVP. Um, I think it'll be unanimous among us. Eighty-three uh, percent of you. Um, on Twitter, I think I will agree with this as well. I'm going to go Kirill Kaprizov. Are you guys going to go Kirill Kaprizov or team MVP through the first half of the season? Yeah, I don't think, you know, I mean, you, you can have another answer, but I don't think there's <laughs> yeah. any other I'd like to hear really make a true case. answer. Right. So <laughs> Yeah, definitely Kirill Kaprizov. When you have a player that's eighth in points in the league, on pace for 108 points, looks like a possible Hart Trophy nominee. I mean, how can you not? put him as the team MVP too. 
I mean, he's elevating Ryan Hartman to a 30-goal pace scorer. Yes. I mean, it's not all him, but he just makes everyone he plays with instantly 10 times better. Yep. Matt Zuccarello's on a career-high 90-point pace, which yeah. is on pace for top 20 in the league. <laughs> like, it's just he's made this team so much yeah. better, um, sitting at 19 goals, 34 assists, 53 points, and a plus 19 through 40 games of uh, – his career, he's eclipsed the hundred point mark. Like the guy's just been unstoppable. He's, you know, after those first, you know, 10, 11 games, there is some clamoring. Oh, we paid this guy too much. And they've been awfully quiet um, since yeah. Krill managed to kind of find his game and, and really settle in and be like, all right, I, I could do this. I, I'm going to dominate. And he has. So, yeah. and an all star on top of that. Yeah. And he brings just. The way he is, he brings his element to this team. I don't know if you guys have ever heard the story. I'll just be quick with it. But the fact, you know, when we were on a five-game losing streak, he, he was pissed off. I, I don't remember if he went to Dean Everson or Bill Guerin, but he went to was, him not. I think it was Guerin. Was it Guerin? I knew it was one of them. Maybe it was. But he Dean. went to him not not to be pissed off at the team, but he was mad, like trying to figure out how he can get him out of the slump and be better and, and help us get back on track. Just kind of shows the type of player he is, the type of person he is. He wants mm-hmm. to win. He's not here to wait around or anything. So nope. um, I'm sure he's happy to Congrats see Matt vote. Boldy in the fold too. No, anything to make him better. Oh, yeah, I bet. He's like, I oh, bet. Victor Ask in the press box. Fuck yeah. <laughs> 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 um, so I don't think we need to spend too much more time on that. It's going to be awfully hard to probably overtake him at the end of the season. Um, but per the Twitter poll as well, Matt Zuccarello right in there uh, and, Mar- and Ryan Hartman, so the top line, each getting about just under 7% of the votes. And I threw Marcus Foligno in there as well just because of his goal scoring. Could have been anyone else, but he did get a couple votes as well. Um, The next one, another pretty slam dunk, near unanimous vote, um, is the most improved player. Um, For me, it came down to two players. Um, The ones we put on Twitter were Jordan Greenway, Matt Zuccarello, Ryan Hartman, Capo Kakinen, all of whom I think are very well-deserving. But I think you just look at, you know, I'll, I'll let you guys start before I get into my picks. I start the last one. Uh, Justin, you can start with uh, who you think your most improved player this year is. One of the trickier ones, yeah. but I think it in the end it yeah. came out unanimous. It, it, was was a little tricky. it was a little tricky, but I went with Ryan Hartman. I mean, he went from being a player that kind of bounced around positions and lines, and uh, kind of went from wing to center to kind of did it, kind of what they asked him to be in the top center between Zuccarello and, and Kaprizov and. Sitting at 18 goals, one shy of his career high with half a season to go. He already, he's already eclipsed his career high in points, which was originally 31, and he's sitting at 33. Oh, so, in an update, you said uh, he's at what is he at? 18? 18 goals. Yep, came 19 up, is his career high. Came up too short of me buying a Hartman jersey. Oh, too mm. short. <laughs> too short. Damn. So close. So close. I think, and I think there was two that he was given credit for originally, and then they were later changed. So, <laughs> so close. Tough luck. I'm thankful because I'm I'm saving that money up for a Boldy jersey. So yeah. Oh, next, yeah, next fall once we get, I'm going to decide now between the new, the alleged new reverse retro, or um, the supposed alternate we're also supposed to be getting. But yeah, it'll right. be interesting to see. Zeke, are you in agreement? Or are you going with someone else? Uh, no, I'm in agreement. I think you know, yes, improvement isn't you don't necessarily judge it by just raw scoring numbers, but uh, you know, I thought. I gave Capel Cack in some at least consideration, even though he had a good half of his rookie year last year. I just think there were times that he was downright horrible, and the fact that he's you know been pretty consistently good aside from one game this year was at least worthy of the thought. But I mean, like Justin explained, I mean Brian Hartman going from seven goals and 
51 game for whatever it was, a career high of 19 to having 18 already halfway through the season. I mean, you know, it just kind of speaks for itself right there. I mean, he's not he's not obviously driving the bus on that line by any means, but he just seems to be such the perfect complimentary player and, and has just been so good at being in the right spot to get a pass from one of his two line mates and just, you know, seemingly every time he gets a, a great chance, he buries it. And, and, you know, sometimes he does get over the line with penalties a little bit, but I think just, you know, you just look at the numbers going from 18 goals in 41 games. It's pretty hard, you know, to not pick him. Yeah. Um, that's what I went with as well, Zeke. And I, I share your sentiment. I think Kakanen could have been in that mix as well for all the reasons you said. Um, and when I put out the poll, I, I did throw um, Zuccarello in there just because we talked about his being on a career high pace. And then Jordan Greenway has more of that recency bias, just like, you know, ever since kind of he was, you know, kind of scolded by the coaches. And I mean, the last, I mean, basically since like December, I feel like Greenway's just been on a mission. Um, and I thought last night he looked unbelievable. He made some huge plays. The The play he made to set up Zuccarello was like everything you want to see out of Greenway, like dri- drive to the corner, you know, knock a guy off the puck, and then, you know, use your body to protect the puck and then find a guy. Like, he's just been so good. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I, I joked on Twitter. I said I will never speak illy of Jordan Greenway again as he's taken our, our prize possession, Matt Boldy, under his wing. Um, so which is some king shit. So I'm like, uh, Jordan Greenway, I'm sorry for everything I ever said about you. You're fine. You're an angel. We love you. Um, but you know, I think it's shown great maturity and I think, you know, I, it was pretty much universally thought that, you know, Greenway was going to be gone, you know, could potentially before the beginning of the year, Russo was in agreement. It seemed like the writing was on the wall. And of course, last week we're like, Hey, should they bring Greenway back? And then Bill Guerin listened to our podcast and he's like, you know, they made some really good points. Um, I'm going to extend this guy right now. And sure enough, there we go. So. Um, Bill Guerin, you're welcome. Uh, next up, we would like you to extend Fiala um, if you're listening. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Ryan Hartman, I think just you look at Justin and Tzik, the points he made just of what he, you know, what he's been in the past all of a sudden just explode. And I think the thing that can't be overlooked too is like this team felt like it still was a center away and he's added so much stability. I mean, he's been the center that the wild thought they needed to go out and acquire. And I think it's bought you a year to really consider like, you know, Adding a center, yes, might be really helpful. I think we talked about that last week, but it doesn't feel like it's, you know, they need to do it. Like, whereas last, like, ah, they need to add another center. I think he's really emerged and helped kind of eat lessen that burden too with Freddie Gaudreau being serviceable kind of in that in that 3C spot. Um, these next ones, it gets a little bit closer. I think people start to have a little more mm-hmm. opinion on these. Um, next up, we will go with the most underrated player um on twitter in our poll we gave the options of ryan hartman marcus felino john merrill capo kakinen um the fans chose marcus felino 40 points 40.8 percent of the votes um capo kakinen comes in second 27.9 percent of the votes and then hartman 17 and then john merrill at 14 percent uh where are you guys at you agree with our uh, with our followers you have a different sentiment uh where do you go with this one zeke we'll go to you well, first i don't know i think it's I think it's kind of hard because, uh, in in a general sense, to when you're talking about any player who's underrated, because people do it all the time. I think, you know, as fans of your team, a, a lot of guys maybe to you, it's you know, hard, don't, you don't really think of them as underrated because you watch them every game, you see them, you think, you know, that they're all really good. But I don't know. I think it's kind of hard. I think you you could probably make a case for any of these guys, but I think just obviously we know we've known how last couple of years how valuable Marcus Felino has been to the team as a leader. I mean. Jared Spurgeon has the C, but Felino is, you know, is is the heart of the team. He's 
the, he's the de facto second C. He just plays such a great role. He's such a great dude. And I mean, but I think, you know, he, I think you could probably say this year that he's been underrated and that, you know, we've all thought that he's brought the same exact defensive play, two-way play, physicality, leadership that he's always brought. But then you look at his uh, NHL.com or Hockey Reference or whatever, and you look at his stats and he's got 17 goals in the goal column and you're thinking, where, you know, where the hell did 17 goals from? Yeah, like, I don't remember Marcus Lino scoring 17 goals this year. Like, it just... No. <laughs> Elite power I mean, maybe in a full seat. Maybe in a full season, but certainly not in certainly not in 39 games or whatever. So, yeah, I, I think it's tough, but I think uh, I think Felino is a solid pick for this one. I can go next here. Um, my vote went to Capo Kakin, and I think okay. – um, and, and here's the reasoning, and it's just because I think when Cam Talbot got hurt in the Winter Classic, the Wild were you know, already on this slide, there was this gulp of, oh, no, here we go. You know, Russo jinxed him. The swoon is upon us. We have a whole bunch of people hurt. And in came Capo Kakinen. And I, I, we talked about on this show, he went like seven games without giving up more than two goals. I think he's yet to give up three or more in a game this season outside of, I think, his very first start of the year. I mean, he's provided incredible stability, maturity. He's gone out. You know, he's not just getting the cupcake teams anymore. He's faced some good teams. We talked about how good he was against the Islanders on Sunday night. I think he's... You know, beginning of the year, they they were giving him one start every seven, eight games. And I doubt the rest of the year that he'll go, you know, more than three games without getting a start again. And, you know, he might get some back-to-backs here and there. But I think just taking some of that load off Talbot, the stability he provided in a situation when the Wild needed, I don't think enough fans appreciated him as much. Like, yes, Boldy's been great. Fiala's been great. Caprizo's been on fire. Zuccarello's been mm-hmm. on fire. But I don't think it can be overlooked how, how much Capo Kakinen meant to that winning streak as well. And holding down that fort and just how, how good of a first half he, he, he truly had. Um, and if I was going to send a goalie to the Wild, or a goalie to the All-Star game from the Wild, I would have chosen Talbot over Kakinen. Or excuse me, Kakinen over Talbot. But um, hella buck over both, but nonetheless. Yeah. But it is close. I think Felino's probably the runner-up for me there, Zeke, for all the reasons you said. But I think you look holistic holistically, you know, I think they maybe could have won some of those games without Felino, but without Kaka, I don't know if they, they win a lot of those games. So, Yeah, that's fair. I yeah, I also went with Capo Kakinen. Uh, you know, you, you have a lot of fans that say, you know, I don't I don't know if this guy has a future with the team. He's kind of streaky. And he was basically really, left for dead the expansion draft, right? Yeah, he was. And maybe he was streaky because he wasn't getting enough starts because he has come in – not just this year. I know we're talking about this year, but, you know, last year he came in too, won whatever, 10 starts in a row. Every time he seems to have his number called, he performs except against the Blues or whatever. So don't start him against <laughs> but, the Blues. Uh, yeah, just don't start him against the Blues. But, <laughs> I mean, he's 10-2-2, two, 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 goals against average, nine twenty two save percentage this year. Since entering the league in 2019, 2020, he's 29-11-3. I mean... I think he's looking more like a 1A, 1B type goalie than a goalie that we're kind of like, eh, does he have a future? I just think, I mean, yeah, I I think he's severely underrated. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I agree I with Foligno being, being a close second there. I do need to quickly apologize to Cap Kacken because I had a tweet that went, I guess, viral in a sort of bad way when I said, midway through his first start of the year that I wished Carson Soucy was on the team. And this is not a slight against Carson Soucy. He's fine that uh, I basically said, get this guy off the team. And I wrote an article 
that said, maybe they need to look at getting a new backup goalie after one game. So <laughs> it was just sorry the, to him. It was for... just the long play for the reverse jinx, Zeke. It worked. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's, that's true. We didn't realize it at the time, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, sorry to him for uh, <laughs> overreacting as fans do to one game. All right. So. Um, I did lie. We have, I think, one more. This might be the most, you know, the most unanimous vote of all. Um, we're not going to spend a ton of time here, but rookie of the year. Uh, <laughs> Options were um, Connor Dewar, Brandon Duhame, Callan Addison, and then coming in with 85.4% of the fan votes, Matt Boldy. And I would imagine maybe, you know, the ones that didn't vote for Boldy, you might say, ah, 10-game sample size, see how things going. Duhame's been up here the whole year. But, um, I mean, this one, I, I, we've, we, I mean, we talked a little bit already about how good Matt Boldy's been, point per yeah. game. Um, his season-long player card which i'll be coming out with here tomorrow or saturday you'll see just some of the advanced metrics have been just off the charts too so he's i think the easy pick but do you guys disagree do you want to give it to one of the other guys or is, or is it boldy for you as well no it's boldy for me uh, uh, the, the thing that i found kind of cool crazy i don't know what you want to call it you know 10 points 10 games caprice did eight points in his first 10 games last year and he was insane it's crazy to think that boldy's outperforming his start to his career at age 20 nonetheless yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean i don't know i think i think i'll agree with you and give it to Bowley. at first my gut reaction was like brett mentioned with the nine or ten game sample size you know could i you know i really thought it took me a while to come to a decision that you know can i really give this to somebody who's played you know a fourth of the game yes and but at the same time, you know, like you guys explained, Brandon Duham's been decent. Like you know, he's come in, played on the fourth line. You know, has twelve points. Has been he's a good skater and plays physical. But you know, I think you know, you know from some of the stuff we've seen the last couple of days and some of the stats and whatnot that you know, Boldy's impact, as you guys have said, in that ten games has been, you know, what you know if you if he keeps up somewhat some of that pace is, you know, some of the best on the team over the last month. So, yeah, no, I think it'd be a, it's hard to hold the only 10 games played against him at this point. Yeah. And it's, I think it sort of stinks for Matt Bull a little bit. They didn't, you know, the injury hindered a start to the season. Cause mm-hmm. I think if he was here for all 82 games, he'd be firmly in the Calder trophy conversation. But I think in a year that's got Trevor Zegris, Moritz Cedar, Lucas Raymond, Tanner Janot, and you know, a whole bunch of other rookies having good seasons. I think, you know, when you don't play, you know, essentially a third of the year, it's going to, I mean, unless he really can, like if he continues a point per game clip through the end of the year, which, hey, I'm not going to rule it out. Is it likely? Probably not. Um, it's going to be hard to push his way into that conversation. But, um, you know, I think with an 82 game season, he'd, he'd be firmly in that mix, which, you know, he needs to, t- which I assume he knows, but uh, just continue doing his thing. All right, and the last one, we saved the best for last. We talked about this in the group chat being a tricky one. Um, the best non-rookie newcomer, basically a three-horse race. We had Freddie Goudreau coming in with just 3% of the votes, and then uh, the three new blue liners we talked about coming into the year was probably the area for biggest concern. Dmitry Kulikov, John Merrill, Alex Goligoski. The fan vote went 37% Goligoski. Merrill comes in second, 31.1. Kulikov in third, 28.7. Justin, I know you were given some some think to this one, so we'll go to you first, then Zeke, then me. Right. But um, where do you ultimately go with this one after you've had some time to mull it over? I mean, really, the guys on the blue line have all been very serviceable, very good, good signings. 
Uh, but I went with Alex Goligoski. I mean, he comes in, takes Suter's role next to Spurgeon. I mean, this might be partially because of injuries, but 25 points, 36 games. He's the leading point getter on our blue line at the moment. You know, we've seen Brody and Spurgeon and Dumba all go down, so that could play a part in it. But, I mean, I feel like he's starting to build that chemistry with Spurgeon. He's, you know, just been very, very good overall and filling Suter's role. And, and, I mean, Dumba's the next closest with 20 points. Um, like I said, he has 25 points. 42 is his career high. I, I think he could possibly pass his career high at this stage of his career. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Zeke, yeah, anything no, think, to add? Different opinion? No, I mean, I think I went with Golgoski as well. I mean, like Justin said, leading point, getter on the blue line, has been, you know, good on the power play, has played in overtime at times. Uh, and, and you know, obviously he's 37, so there's some games where, you know, maybe he's not the, the fastest skater or whatever, but I think he's been, you know, filled that void uh, really well and been just as good, like Justin said, if not better than Suter. But, I mean, I think... You know, it was tough because I think John Merrill and Dmitry Kulikov, I, you know, I couldn't quite pick them just because they played lesser of a role. But, you know, Justin mentioned with all the injuries and with COVID and whatnot that those guys at times have had to play, you know, fairly significant roles during stretches of games. And they've both provided, you know, more on the offense than, you know, they have in a while. So I, I think, you know, like you mentioned, you know, those guys are in the vote reflects it. We're really close. But I think uh, Golgoski has just been the, the most impactful overall. Yep, I, I, and I ended up going Goligoski there as well for a lot of the same reasons you guys said. Ultimately, it was kind of the tiebreaker for me. So I think it's much harder to replace a guy in your top pair and then to have mm-hmm. him you know, without Spurgeon for so long and to still kind of be able to maintain you know, a rotation of partners, whoever it be. Zeke, as you mentioned, has added to that power play. He's played some penalty kill. Justin, as you mentioned, you know, being on that career high for points. Six on the team overall. Um, he's been very healthy as well throughout the year, which has been huge. I mean, this is a year we've seen, you know, tons of injuries to the blue line. Um, I'm trying to think if, if he's missed the game at all this year. He might have been on COVID, I think. Yeah, I think yeah he so he's missed five protocol. five games. Um, yeah, you know, just two goals, but 23 points. He's a plus 26 as well, which, you know, I don't, I don't love plus minus. And a lot of wild players have pretty high plus minuses, but, I like, you know, to be having that rotating door of partners and still being able to – to keep goals out, whether, you know, some good goaltending or not, or some, you know, being fortunate for having good players in front of you. I think he's held it down. Um, I just think you know, the third pair typically gets those easier matchups. And I think for me, it was too hard to pick between Merrill and Kulikov to pick out one, or Galagoski kind of stands out as one. So um, as the poll reflects, you know, Galagoski, the slight edge, but those other two very deserving. And Freddie Goudreau basically was the only other non-rookie newcomer. Um, I don't want to leave him out of this conversation entirely either. You know, I think he's he's brought some good stability down the middle. Um, you know, he's been an upgrade over Rask, as we've seen Rask see the press box waivers this year. Um, <laughs> you know, at times he can be freshing and seems the offense is lacking, but then you you, know, you watch his last couple of games and he rips one home on the power plays. Zeke, as you mentioned, he goes bar down against one of the best goalies in the league. He's flashed at times. He's come through in big moments and, you know, Freddie Goudreau is a piece of that Boldy Fiala line, and you know he's you know maybe helped lock some of that defense down as Rask kind of did last year for Zuccarello and stuff. So like definitely not the impact I don't think that Goligoski's had, but I think you know de- de- deserves an honorable mention here because I think he's been he's been fine, especially for a guy coming in who really hadn't been like a career NHLer to be thrust in with skilled players. Um, I think he kills penalties as well, so like he's been serviceable, and I think he deserves a little bit of a, a nod here as well. 
Absolutely. And sure. You think about last night with that awesome pass from Baldy to Fiala on that goal. Who was the one that kind of got the puck to where Baldy could get it and get that over to Fiala? It was, it was Goudreau kind of mm-hmm. putting it in a position where Baldy could make that play to Fiala. Absolutely. So, yeah, very serviceable. All right. Well, that wraps up our midseason awards. We'll have probably four or five more that we add at the end of the year's show. Um, but just to quickly recap um, all the awards, you can find these on our Twitter page as well. MVP goes to Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, most improved, Ryan Hartman. Most underrated, we were torn between Marcus Lino, Capo Kakinen. Rookie of the year to Matt Boldy and the best non-rookie newcomer, Alex Goligoski. Um, hashtag one of us. Uh, All-Star game coming up this weekend. There's not a whole lot we can talk about. Kaprizov, Talbot going, Kirill taking place in the shootout competition, um, which should be pretty cool. Um, but I guess otherwise, anything you guys want to talk about All-Star game-wise, otherwise we can uh, we can wrap it up. Uh, nothing All-Star game. Just want to give a, you know, a couple quick shout-outs uh, First off, to a, a listener of ours, I think I believe his name is Hal Bulbase. He's DM'd me a few times the last few months saying how much he appreciates uh, all the content we do on the show and with, with you on the Twitter account, Brett. So I just want to give a shout-out to him. Thanks for listening. We appreciate the kind words, as usual. And also, I th- uh, we talked about this group chat, but last week's episode was one of our most downloaded and listened-to shows, I think, that we've ever done. It has over 500 downloads on Podbean, so... Uh, just a shout out to you know every single one of you who has uh, tuned into a show so far this year. Uh, it's been a fun season to watch, and uh, we uh, really appreciate every one of you. Justin, any final thoughts for you? Yeah, no, I'll I'll just add to that sentiment, say my thank you, and uh, from something that was kind of started spur of the moment, like we mentioned times before, it's pretty awesome to have all that support. Absolutely. Definitely a good escape for us every to come in, talk some hockey, and then, you know, when you guys interact, give us feedback. It's always super fun um, to see the account grow, to see, you know, our, our personal stuff grow with prospects and, and Zeke and you getting picked up by 10 carries. Just all the good things that have happened, only to us as a podcast, but as us as individuals and Wild fans has been really cool. But that mm-hmm. doesn't happen without the support of the listeners. So thanks a bunch. Um, that should about wrap it up here. So, uh, Zeke, remind everyone where they can tune in to uh, you and all of your non-Capo Kakinen slander work. <laughs> well, you can find me on Twitter, as usual, at uh, Zeke Boyat, and you can find, as Brett said, my work at uh, tenkearings.com. And Justin, about you and all of your work. Uh, you can find me at DEs2004. You can find me at Caprizov Countdown. And you can find me at MNW Prospects at MNW Young Guns. Nailed it this time. <laughs> yeah, I did. I had to think about it in there advance. <laughs> and as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well at Sound the Foghorn, all one word, both on Twitter and Instagram. If you are listening on Spotify, Apple, please give us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. Helps us uh, get higher up in the rankings and different things like that. Uh, season-long player cards. Uh, the midway point of the season will come out either uh, later tomorrow or for sure, hopefully by Saturday, um, recapping the first half of the season for all the wild players who have played at least 10 games. Forwards are done, working on getting the defense and goalies done, and then those will be out in a thread, comparing them to the quarter season, all that good stuff. So that'll be something to tune into that will be available for everyone to take a peek at. But uh, Wild just one game against Winnipeg in addition to the All-Star game before we record again next Wednesday. The uh, Minnesota Whitecaps in action uh, in Buffalo again against the Buttes this weekend. Sam Uren. We'll be back next week to break that down as well. 
But until then, this has been another episode of Down the Fox.